trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Well, this show's all about uh, countering groupthink. Helping you uh, shake off the shackles. We actually revel in wrong think. But if you can uh, stick around for a few segments, you'll see exactly what that looks like. But I'm glad you uh, glad you hit the play button or turned the knob and and tuned in. I'm going to try to make it worth your while. Got some great sponsors who make this show possible. I want to just give them quick recognition at the beginning here. They include MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com, Borelli.com. This is for firearms and shooting enthusiasts. Got some great daily specials. You can actually sign up for their emails. TMCPNation.com. That's my friend John Harvey. And also uh, Climbing Upward. Com. That would be Dr. John C. Pulver, who, by the way, we need to get on the show. Maybe I can get him on later this week. So uh, Pride Month is in full swing. Oh, you hadn't noticed? No, I'm just kidding. I, somebody called it Rainbow Ramadan, and I thought, uh, you know, <laughs> they were fighting words for some people. But uh, look, here's the thing that, that, that gets me. I am totally okay with people pursuing happiness in their own ways, as long as what they're doing is peaceful. You know, hey, go with God. You have my blessing. Just, you know, do what makes you happy. Don't force it on people, though. And, you know, I know people will say, well, now, Brian, no one's forcing you to look at the rainbow or salute the rainbow flag or whatever. But there is a lot of coercion. And we're going to talk about some very specific details of, of coercion as, as far as there are things you are not allowed to think. There are things you are not allowed to say. And, you know, it's it's the coercion that really rubs me the wrong way. I'm not out there looking for a fight, but you start forcing me against my will and you're going to find yourself in a fight. That's just, I'm sorry, it's, that's my nature. Not because I'm a contentious person, but because I'm a free individual who values his rights and I will stand for them. I will claim them. I'll use my rights. I'll defend them. And I will not be, you know, saddled and ridden like somebody's hobby horse just because they have a particular agenda or want me to go in a particular direction. So my point here is, I'm not the only one who's feeling like this. There's a lot of contention going on. I, I swear it feels for all the world like uh, someone, maybe many someones, are, are just spoiling for a fight. And by the way, it's not just the you know rainbow mafia that, uh, that is spoiling for a fight. I have to make this, this clarification because there are people out there who are gay or part of what would be termed the LGB community. I'm leaving off the T for now because right now that's that's turning into the the most open insanity that I that I've ever seen. But the the people that I know who identify as gay almost to a person they are they're they're private individuals. They're they're not people who are out there trying to force everybody, "Hey, you, acknowledge me and validate me in everything that I say and do." And to me, that's what makes them great people. Their, their gayness is just, it's, you know, it's one facet of a complicated human being, which I hope we're all somewhat complicated as, as who we are. We're, we're all here trying to figure things out, find our way home. 
So, you know, it's, it doesn't surprise me that uh, they're, they're mostly private about their private lives. And I think that's really the key. You know, things that, uh, that are kept within the bounds of, of respect for others don't become, you know, a point of contention. But stuff that not only has to be, you know, brought out and, and you know, paraded in front of you and you must acknowledge this, you must celebrate, why aren't you wearing the ribbon, you know, kind of mentality. And now, of course, being aimed at kids, well, bring the kids, come on, the kids have to learn this. It's starting to take on a very coercive flavor. And that's, that's the part that, to, to me, is, is sparking a lot of the contention that we're seeing. There are people who are very clearly spoiling for a fight. And I think this is true, um, not, just, not just from the far left, but I'm starting to see it uh, in other parts of the political spectrum. And I really think it stems from, you know, being forced or that idea that you have to do this. It's imperative that you do this. As opposed, as opposed to just letting people do what, what they want. You know, come on. When's the last time you saw somebody picking a fight over, well, you're not driving the color of car that I like. And because you drive the wrong color of car, now I need to berate you or otherwise, you know, put you in your place. Same thing with shoes, same thing with clothes. We allow people to exercise their discretion to, uh, do I dare use this word? Discriminate as to what they prefer and uh, not feel like they have to force everybody else into acceptance. But boy, you sure don't see that much, especially during the month of June. By the way, I pulled up a tweet yesterday. 140 different days on the calendar of official recognition for LGBTQ causes. So, you know, if I'm a little skeptical about the whole, well, they're, you know, Brian, it's a very oppressed minority, and, you know, they're really, they're just so marginalized. Baloney. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know, if, you were, if, we, if they get any more marginalized, man, we're going to have to get a new calendar. We're going to need more days in the year just to, to handle all of the holidays and days of observance and days of silence. And anyway, so before I get too wound up here, I want to share with you a commentary from Thomas L. Knapp. And I think this is really sound advice. It's called In Praise of Caring Less and Being Better. He says, throughout my adult life, starting in the 80s, yes, he says I'm that old, I've been aware of and occasionally participated in both boycotts and boycotts for various reasons or for political reasons. So in a boycott, you don't like a business's political affiliations or that business's actions conflict with your own political ideas. So you choose not to buy from or sell to that business and probably tell others why they shouldn't either. Now, with a boycott, you don't like the people boycotting a business whose political affiliations or actions match well with your own ideas, so you go out of your way to buy from or sell to that business and probably tell others they should too. Now, he says there's nothing wrong with any of that in principle. But over the last decade or so, this boycott-boycott trend feels to him anyway like it's escalated in velocity and volume. Everything's political all the time and more and more in a to-the-barricades way than to a, than a write-a-letter-to-the-editor way. He says it's also tedious and hard to keep track of lately. Am I not eating at Chick-fil-A this week because one of their founders donated to a cause I disagree with or because I just discovered that there's a position in their corporate hierarchy that has existed for a couple of years and that I don't like? Why is it suddenly important just now? Or am I going out of my way to eat there because I agree with that cause or like that position or because they apologize to someone for something? Am I boycotting Bud Light because a woman I don't like got, dec decorated, uh, got a decorated can of the stuff? 
Or am I buying an extra 12-pack of the nasty stuff because I like that woman and am confused and don't know what good beer tastes like? Am I driving past Target on my way to buy a bathing suit because some of theirs come in rainbow colors and have special pockets for me to hide my penis in if I don't want people to know I have one? Or am I intentionally heading straight to Target because I want to let my rainbow flag fly and maybe tuck my member away? Or am I joining the drive-by crowd because Target gave in to the people who hate rainbow colors and like penises or whatever? Now, Thomas Knapp says, look, trying to come to grips with such questions gives me the feeling that maybe I'm caring just too darn much about stuff that really isn't very important in the scheme of things. And he says, come to think of it, do I even need a chicken sandwich, a case of beer or beer substitute like Bud Light or a new bathing suit? He says, treating everything as an outrage leaves us perpetually outraged at neighbors we should consider having over for dinner. Real beer, maybe a swim. He says, the measure of our humanity isn't how much we care. It's the quality of what we choose to care about and what we do about it. Now, I understand not everybody's going to agree with what Thomas is saying here, but I think he's, he's got a much more healthy approach than simply going around perpetually outraged. And in particular, one of the things I draw from, from what he's cautioning about here is when we allow ourselves to be outraged, we're allowing other people to manipulate us. We're letting them push our buttons. And that's not something a person who's in charge of his or her life is going to do. So much of what's happening right now, and in fact, I'm just going to say it, so much of the imagery that you're seeing right now for Rainbow Ramadan is nothing more than virtue signaling. If you look at my show notes today, you'll notice there's a big banner that uh, somebody took a photo of. We proudly support the LGBT plus community whenever profitable and convenient. (laughs) And I think that's probably the truth for most businesses. Well, it's profitable, it's convenient, you know, it's a, it's a new market sector, let's, let's do this. But it's also virtue signaling. And if, if you're, well, what are you saying, Brian, are you against virtue signaling? Absolutely, I am. And here's why. Because it's cheap. Really. You don't have skin in the game if you're virtue signaling. You're spending so much time trying to convince people, look at what a good person I am, as opposed to actually undergoing the pain of living life as a good person. Well, what does that look like? Well, I don't know. Why don't we start with do unto others as you would have done unto you? Or if there's something that you would consider hateful, if it were being done to you, don't do that to other people. Yeah, the golden rule. That's a good place to start. But again, it's easy to uh, signal your virtue, see how good I am. Step up to the plate and show me what a good person you are. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Going to continue on in this vein for a few moments about uh, boycotts, boycotts, and that kind of thing. I know right now the the whole ESG, DEI stuff that's uh, found its way into corporate America really appears to be taking quite a toll. And, and it's funny to see iconic American brands, you know, Ford and, and uh, Bud Light and so forth, uh, even Target, you know, for that matter finding themselves on the receiving end of of some pretty you know real consumer outrage and by the way i don't i don't take uh, you know i don't have that sense of schadenfreude where you're you're reveling in somebody else's discomfort or misfortune but 
it, it is interesting to see how many people have said, well, all right, then we will uh, withdraw our business. And it looks like many of these brands are actually suffering some pretty significant financial uh, consequences as a result of, you know, throwing themselves 100% into the culture war. And I know that for a lot of people, um, I, I've seen a number of voices, I should say, on, on Twitter, particularly saying, well, hey, we got to keep pressing, you know, for the advantage here. we got to fight back this way. And there's a part of me that agrees. Now, look, you know, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a beer drinker and I don't uh, I don't go swimming. So Target, sorry, you won't be selling me one of your swimsuits or anything. Um, Chick-fil-A, like the food. It's a little expensive. I, you know, maybe maybe I'll stop and get a frozen lemonade. I don't know. But I'm not looking for a reason necessarily to punish the companies, although I can understand people wanting to at least send a message voting with their wallet. I don't support the way that you have thrown yourself into politics. But look around you. If you're going to boycott everybody who's getting caught up in the culture wars, man, you're going to be living in a cave with one set of homespun clothing that you wash on a rock down by the river. It's getting pretty bad. I mean, it's, we're, we're, we're being faced with a lot of choices. But there's also the aspect of when we boycott are we considering the full consequences of, of who's feeling the pain? Certainly the corporate types are feeling it. There's panic at Budweiser, or Anheuser-Busch, I should say, and, and in their marketing department. There's a great article that was published on the American Institute for Economic Research. This is from Kimberly Joseph, Josephson. It's titled, Before Joining the Boycott Bandwagon, Consider This. She says, in 2010, I had a student proudly state in my class that he was boycotting all BP gas stations in response to the disastrous Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Roughly two years later, some of my students were choosing to boycott Chick-fil-A after hearing about a kiss-in event to protest the founder's stance on same-sex marriages. My response to these students is the same as my response today, she says, regarding the current boycotting of Bud Light, Target, Chick-fil-A, Kohl's, or whatever company shows up in tomorrow's news feed. Consider the spillover effects and do what best serves your interest. Now, I got to give her credit. These spillover effects are things that most of us really wouldn't consider. So Kimberly Josephson says, as consumers, we rightfully can and should react to missteps in marketing and mishandling of management made at the top. But she says it's also important to be aware of how our actions will impact more than just CEOs or stockholders. Gas stations and fast food chains provide franchising opportunities for budding entrepreneurs. And those in your local community who chose to invest in a Chick-fil-A rather than a KFC are now bearing the direct costs of boycott backlash. Similarly, retailers serve as a powerful intermediary between producers and consumers. And for new businesses and creative producers, having a product featured on store shelves can be a dream come true. For instance, a few years ago, the founder of a Bulgarian yogurt company graciously spoke to her class about how hard he worked to create a delicious, healthy, reasonably priced product. But the biggest hurdle was attaining shelf space in retail outlets to better reach and serve consumers. Indeed, it's no easy feat to have your product carried by popular retailers. But for those who previously benefited from Target's in-store traffic, it may be time to relocate one's inventory to other store shelves. Now, Kimberly Josephson says, and it's not just producers and franchisees who are impacted by consumer boycotts. 
but also those involved in the upstream and downstream activities of associated supply chain networks. Okay, now here's one maybe you didn't think about. Truck drivers serving as a part of uh, Budweiser's uh, uh, Bud Light's distribution network had nothing to do with the marketing of Dylan Mulvaney, just as any high schooler working at Chick-fil-A had no say in the creation of a DEI C-suite program, or position rather. Yet given the rise of advocacy campaigning in corporate America, we may all need to dig deeper when researching what companies we wish to work for and buy from and why. She says clearly a cultural battle is being fought. Dylan Mulvaney has over 10 million followers. Pride promotions prop up each year. DEI positions are commonplace at most major U.S. firms. As such, it seems that some real soul-searching needs to occur when it comes to society's influence upon business practices. Corporations have been embedding activist elements into their marketing strategies for quite some time now, largely in response to consumer expectations. The corporate social responsibility mantra of the 1990s has graduated into the corporate advocacy initiatives we see today, which, when done right, can be a good thing. In fact, some forms of social activism can align nicely with a firm's offerings. For instance, uh, Santander Bank linked up with the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence after a study uncovered that 99% of domestic violence situations involve financial manipulation, inhibiting the ability for a victim to access funds for leaving. So she says when a firm's resources, competencies, and connections can help remedy a social problem, such opportunities can be a win-win for improving a brand's image as well as negative situations. Disastrous results can occur, however, when a firm relies on social matters for simply making sales or if the connection makes little sense. Take, for instance, Target's in-store pride campaign, which seems to be alienating and confusing consumers. She says products previously displayed up front are now being moved to the back over concerns of what's being conveyed toward children, which can be a serious matter. Whether it's a commercial, magazine ad, or use of retail or media retail, make that retail media space, companies should always be wary of what is visible to those under the age of 12 in their target market and how parents might react to such marketing material. The Children's Advertising Review Unit of the Council of Better Business Bureaus establishes guidelines for marketing to children and notes that children are uniquely impressionable and vulnerable, so advertisements should never be manipulative, deceptive, or inappropriate for younger audiences, regardless of the medium being used. Guidelines, however, do not mean parents today that uh, don't need to be vigilant about what kids are being exposed to or to what's being sold in stores and online. She says parents should take primacy in the consumer socialization process of their children. Now, Kimberly Josephson says, look, at the end of the day, it's your choice to buy or boycott, to complain or consume. Just be sure to consider the impact and consider your needs. If you simply can't go without a Bud Light on the weekend... Anheuser-Busch will likely toast to that. And if Target really offers the best deals this weekend, purchase products of brands you do support and avoid aisles of those you don't. She says we should all be thankful to live in a country where there are plenty of options for beer and bargain buys and that we have the power to vote with our dollars and voice our concerns. I like that approach. I know it's not going to be satisfying for everybody. Some people actually, you know, they're kind of, hey, Don't rob me of my anger. It's all that I have. But life is too short. 
to, to live, you know, driven by anger or to define yourself simply by who or what you're against. And I think really that's, that's kind of, if there's a theme for today's show, it's you got to know what you stand for. Now, having said that, coming up in the next segment, I'm going to share with you a story that is very likely to make some people's blood boil. Mine's at a low simmer, and I've had some time to come to grips with it, but it's, it's to me, a perfect illustration of how the, uh, the woke religion has infiltrated not just, you know, major metropolitan areas and, you know, politics in, in their various political organizations, but it's in hometown America. And when you hear about uh, how far it will go to enforce its will upon the people and force them to participate in the lie, well, let's just say it's going to turn up the heat a little bit. You've been warned. We'll be back in just a few moments. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I guess it's probably fitting that uh, this is this is how uh, Pride Month would start out with a great big kerfuffle in in northern Idaho. And I'm uh, I'm going to refer to an article that was published yesterday by uh, Brian Alman. He writes the Gem State Substack. I really love Brian's approach, so I'm going to encourage you if you haven't subscribed, you really should take a look at what he has to say. I I love that he is he's a very skilled writer. He goes into a lot of detail. You'll learn a lot by reading what he's written. But you'll never have the sense that Brian is thumping his finger into your chest and telling you, if you don't agree with me, you're stupid. I just I think he has a very productive way of how he approaches difficult topics, and this is a great example of it. The, the title of this is Guys Are Guys and Girls Are Girls. There is no in-between. I know, you're like, wow, that's, that's very controversial. But, okay, here's the story. Brian writes, the annual celebration of America's civic religion started with a bang this year. Kellogg High School in rural North Idaho sanctioned graduating senior Travis Lohr for daring to utter the basic biological truth that men are men and women are women. Now, the Idaho Tribune has been covering that story closely. Uh, the Idaho Freedom Foundation has been covering it as well. And, and just by way of, of background on this, so they, they had their graduation this past weekend. And they did a rehearsal, I believe it was on Thursday. And instead of having the seniors write their, you know, advice, you know, the tongue-in-cheek advice to their, their underclassmen in the, in the yearbook, they had the seniors who were, do, who were walking uh, basically offer a piece of advice. Step up to the microphone, what's your best advice? Travis Lohr said, guys are guys, girls are girls, there is no in-between. Oh, I know, Wow. Wow, who let that uh, Andrew Dice Clay potty mouth loose? Uh, you know, the, the reaction was they didn't want to let him walk for graduation. Parents protested. In fact, students protested. About 100 people showed up outside the school Friday morning and protested. One of them, a bus driver by the name of Dakota Melu, he, he was on his own time, by the way. He was not on the company clock. He was out there with an American flag, and they fired him. And then the sheriff, who apparently is married to one of the teachers, they are lesbians, uh, 
made some comment about, well, we know that there's a group that's threatening to come. She wouldn't name that group, by the way. There's no proof, but apparently some right-wing group, or at least that's the implication, was going to come disrupt graduation. So they canceled graduation. They weren't going to let Travis Lohr walk. And then they secretly had graduation on Saturday, but but without him. Now, just by way of review, all because he said the words, guys are guys and girls are girls. Now, the school maintained that, uh, well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't because of what he said. It was because uh, he, he went off script and that's not allowed. And we have to make sure there are standards and so forth. But uh, the principal of his school has been caught in a bald faced lie. And and he's, he's lies in there's a recording. There's a voicemail of him saying, no, it was about what he said. It was hateful. It was hurtful. So here we are back to back to Brian's article. So, in addition to Lore, the school fired longtime bus driver Dakota Malu for attending the Friday morning walkout in support of Travis's right to free speech. Despite doing so of his own accord and on his own time, Malu was pulled away from the gathering and summar- summarily dismissed. Now, the particulars of this story, Brian Allman writes, run the entire culture war gamut. Lore was sanctioned not only for exercising his free speech, but it was for saying something that is objectively true. It's not yet known who known who complained about his statement, whether it was a fellow student, a teacher, or an administrator. But we do know that an art teacher, the art teacher at the school uh, at Kellogg, is an outspoken leftist. Rachel Clark Cruzmark was making news more than ten years ago when she brought the vagina monologues to Kellogg, and she's married to Shoshone County Sheriff Holly Lindsay. Now, that last bit is is interesting because when the school announced they were postponing graduation, they cited a report from the sheriff's office warning of threats from unspecified right-wing provocateurs. And the sheriff's office later posted on Facebook that they did not cancel graduation. Rather, they claimed that protesters from out of, the, out of county were known for violence and were coming to disrupt the ceremony. Yet they offered nothing to back up that claim. Now, Brian says, you recognize this sort of rhetoric for what it is, of course. Right-wing protests are always tagged as violence, no matter how peaceful. Or, and also, I would add, no matter whether they occur or not. Remember the Proud Boys being arrested in Coeur d'Alene last year? Oh, well, what were they arrested for? Well, they might have disrupted a pride rally. Well, did they? No. Oh, so we're most concerned about things that didn't actually happen, but might have happened. Anyway, you get, you get the picture. Right-wing protests are always tagged as violence, no matter how peaceful, while left-wing protests are always tagged as peaceful, no matter how violent. Woke leftists infiltrated our institutions to spread their ideology and then act offended when we stand up and say, stop. In any case, the postponement was just a smokescreen as Kellogg carried out its graduation ceremony in secret. Travis Lohr did not attend. But that's the reality of, of LGBTQ plus pride. You will be made to comply. It's no longer about tolerance or inclusivity, if it ever was. It's about imposing a new secular religion on the American people. Conquerors always tear down the flags and monuments of the cultures they conquer and impose their own instead. By the way, there's another little uh, addition to this story, and that is uh, this uh, this young man, Travis Lore, was slated to begin work as a uh, firefighter in the summer. He has been contacted by the, uh, I think it's, it's a state uh, fire fighting agency, basically fighting wildland fires, and told that, no, we will not be needing your services. 
Care to guess who the director of that particular uh, agency, the guy who was going to hire him, care to guess who that guy's married to? If you said a teacher at Kellogg High School, you would be right. Cancel culture. These are supposedly adults that are doing this, by the way. Not petulant little junior high school students. It's, it's a, these are supposed to be the adults in the room. These are the, the people who have authority. And look how they're using it. Now, Brian Almond says, if this seems like hyperbole, consider what time it is. The moment the clock ticked over to June 1st, nearly every corporation, every media outlet, every government office in America dutifully covered their profiles in rainbow regalia. The same people who've long held that burning an American flag is free speech want hate crime charges for anyone who burns a pride flag. Leaving skid marks on a pride-colored crosswalk, that's a hate crime. And of course, uttering the words, guys are guys and girls are girls, gets a high school student kicked out of his own graduation ceremony. By the way, I just I have to add there's one other aspect to this. Maybe this will surprise you, maybe it won't. But uh, but part of the uh, the Twitter mob, the, the cancel culture mob, they were busy going through and trying to comb uh, Travis Lore's uh, social media, digging up any dirt they could. Well, you know, this is the kid who pulled a, a toilet paper prank on the front of the high school. I mean, anything to smear him. Oh, my gosh. Did he laugh at something inappropriate, too? We got to know. We got to know. Otherwise, you know, otherwise we're going to have to consider the possibility that maybe we're living in in Weimar America. By the way, in interest of full disclosure, we are living in Weimar America. If that upsets you, I would encourage you uh, maybe dig into why would it why would that be the possibility? Have you ever looked at what uh, Weimar Germany was like prior to 1933? lot of similarities in the attitudes and uh, the debauchery that was celebrated because, uh, hey, we are so good. We are all that. We have grown so much, we don't really need this simple right versus wrong, you know, thinking anymore. Now, Brian Allman, I think, spells it out very nicely. He says, last year, after observing the Boise Pride Fest, he wrote, this is totalitarianism wrapped in pretty colors and cheerful rhetoric that masks both unbearable pain as well as a desire to corrupt the innocent. And that's why it was never going to be enough to tolerate such a perversity, because their ideology demands total compliance. It's not enough for a trans person to conceptualize him or herself as the opposite sex. They must enforce that delusion on gunpoint at everyone else Everyone else, lest like the child who said the emperor was wearing no clothes, someone dare point out the obvious and shatter the illusion. He says, I finally watched Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman, last night, since it's currently streaming for free on Twitter. And he says, it didn't tell me anything I didn't already know, but it was a stark reminder of what we're up against. I realized as I watched that the issue at hand is not biological, but grammatical. In a move straight out of Orwell, mentally ill people and their leftist enablers are attempting to redefine words and then force us to accept the new definitions. Now, for all of human history, we've defined a woman as a human being with certain physical characteristics that enable her to bear and nurture children, while a man has other characteristics. Women are generally more emotional. Men are generally physically stronger. This didn't used to be controversial, by the way. There are always outliers, of course, but they're outliers for a reason. A dog born with three legs doesn't cease being a dog, just as an infertile woman or an effete man are still male and female, or female and male, respectively. What's going on here is a redefinition of language. 
You're going to come back to Brian Ullman's uh, commentary. If you want to check it out in its entirety, please go to my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm sharing with you a uh, very well-written column from Brian Alman from the Gem State Substack. You can go to gemstate.substack.com. Guys are guys, girls are girls, and there's nothing in between. The very words that got a, a high school student up in Kellogg, Idaho, uh, dismissed from walking at his high school graduation, uh, fired from his summer job fighting wildland, fire fi- wildland fires, and uh, who knows what else. I'm sure someone's trying to dig up the dirt right now so he can be charged with some kind of hate crime, but that simple. Guys are guys, girls are girls, and there's nothing in between. You can't say that. Why? It used to be an objective truth. Now, well, the woke religion forbids it. If that doesn't give you an uneasy feeling in your stomach, man, you are not paying attention. Now, going back to, uh, to the article here, Brian talks about uh, Matt Walsh's What is a Woman movie. And if you haven't seen it, it's, it's very, very good. I know that uh, the, the critics, why, this is just hate. This is nothing but hate. It's truth. And what's crazy is you'll see what happens when some of these various activists and, you know, college professors and so what, so forth, when Matt starts to, to pin them down. He's not rude or he's not aggressive or antagonistic in how he does it. He simply asks questions which they realize I can't answer without looking like an absolute, utter fool. And at that point, you'll see several of these individuals. This interview is over. They're trapped by their own illogic. And they realize there, there's no way out, at least no honorable way out to say, well, you know, I can see your point. Or uh, they don't even say, I don't know how to answer that. You cannot question this. What you're doing is hateful because it's pursuing truth. Brian Elman says, you can see in Matt's documentary, they changed the meaning of woman to be a feeling, an attitude, an ephemeral aff- affectation. They claim that someone who is uh, physically male can actually be a woman who was born in the wrong body. An idea that makes zero sense once you give it the slightest thought. But that's the trick. They don't want you to think. Only comply. They use the carrot of inclusivity and tolerance and the stick of labeling you a bigot if you don't join in the mass delusion. That is why Travis Lore had to be punished. Because the entire house of cards falls apart once people start questioning the propaganda. Now, Brian writes, the transgender delusion is driven by a hatred of nature and nature's God. God made male and female, but we, they say, almighty human, modern human beings can transcend that and be anything we want. And just like every other attempt to be like God, this one is doomed to fail. Go look at pictures of what so-called gender-affirming care is really about and tell me that this is a positive thing for people suffering from gender dysphoria or fetishes like autogynephilia. The lesson of the controversy is that not even rural communities are safe from the woke mind virus. He says it's easy to dismiss stories of LGBTQ plus indoctrination as a big city problem. We'll just stay out of Boise. You'll be fine, people say. Yet the sanctioning of Travis Lore is proof that, that if this is not in your community now, 
it will be soon. Closing your eyes, hoping for the best, that's a surefire way to lose. Teachers in Kellogg High School were promoting woke doctrines for years before it became a flashpoint in the culture war. And the leadership of rural Shoshone County thought nothing of putting a lesbian woman in charge of their law enforcement, except for what great headlines it would make in the corporate press. Well, now the woke cancer has metastasized and ruined what should have been a joyful time for one young Idaho man. The conservative movement and the Republican Party have allowed wolves to sneak in wearing sheep's clothing. Just this past week, over in Pocatello, a parent complained to Republican Representative Richard Cheatham about his vote against H314. That's the library bill that would have kept schools and libraries from giving obscene material to children. By the way, it's it's almost always material that is trying to uh, introduce them to various uh, LGBT perversions or other, you know, graphic depictions of sexual behavior in those settings. Cheatham responded by essentially accusing this uh, parent who complained to him of hate and homophobia. And Brian asks the question, well, with Republicans like these, who needs Democrats? He does say if there's one good thing that, that comes from this affair, it's the knowledge that some young people are not going to take this indoctrination lying down. Travis Lore told the world that the emperor has no clothes and we as a movement must make sure he is taken care of. Leftists take care of their own. Antifa and BLM rioters who burn down buildings and assault innocent people can count on a network of donors and lawyers to make sure they never spend an hour in jail. Well, Travis Lore has already missed out on his graduation, but we should make sure that he's rewarded for his brave stand. And Brian Almond says, that's why I'm pleased my colleagues at the Idaho Freedom Foundation set up a Give, Send, Go campaign inviting supporters to donate toward a graduation gift for Travis. As of this writing, that campaign was over $3,000 already, which he says gives me hope for the future of our country. A similar campaign for the fired bus driver, Dakota Malu, uh, who was fired for supporting Travis, that's nearly $3,000 as well. And he has links if you want to add your support to either one of these individuals. Brian points out, it's the courage of men like Travis and Dakota that will save this country. Not think pieces written from the comfort of ivory towers. In addition to supporting those who stand up for truth, he says, we must also offer an alternative to the celebration of deviance that's been foisted on our country. And he has a good point here. The Idaho Freedom Foundation, uh, the president, Wayne Hoffman, came up with the idea to spend the month of June celebrating those heroes who, like Travis Lore, were unafraid to stand up for truth and American values, even in the face of leftist persecution. It's called Pride in America, and it's really, it's an amazing series. I hope you'll check it out. You can go to IdahoFreedom.org. Now, he says, many of the figures on our list have been canceled, whether in their lifetimes or long after their deaths, by the same woke mob that demands Travis be punished for speaking the truth. Now, Brian Allman writes, human nature doesn't change. No matter our technology or our understanding of the universe, perhaps no sin is condemned more in Scripture than pride. Yet this entire month is a corporate and government-sponsored celebration of that very sin. How long do, do nations last with such a moral inversion? And I, again, I'm going to add just my own thought to this. It's not just like, yeah, we're going to celebrate it. What are you going to do about it? It's we're going to celebrate it, and you will celebrate with us. It's becoming mandatory, coercive. If you don't, you're going to be sanctioned. You have to participate in our sin. If we can't be innocent, then neither can you. 
Brian Allman writes, Biology does not change, but language is malleable. If we do not loudly proclaim the truth, as Travis Lohr did last week, it will eventually be lost under a confusing pile of ever-changing definitions. The history of human philosophy has always been about a search for truth. But today's propaganda tries to convince you that truth is meaningless, nothing is absolute. The basis for any understanding of truth is an agreement that things are what they are. A is A, as Aristotle said, or 2 plus 2 equals 4. George Orwell explained that freedom is the freedom to say that 2 plus 2 equals 4. If that is granted, all else follows. If we do not exercise that freedom, it will be inexorably taken away from us until we are entirely enslaved to an ideology of lies. And so he says, never sacrifice the truth, no matter the consequences. A is A, 2 plus 2 is 4, guys are guys, girls are girls. There is no in-between. I mean, could you ever have imagined we would find ourselves at this juncture? And by the way, this this really, this whole weekend, especially as I followed this story, has just inspired me once again to dig into the Alexander Solzhenitsyn essay, Live Not by Lies. Solzhenitsyn talked about how the act of one courageous soul to, res- to resist the lies, and there are many ways that you can do this. You don't have to go out and, you know, wave your own flag or go confront people or anything like that. Those are probably less productive than just simply to, re- to than simply refusing to participate in the official lies. But you've got to be strong. I don't know any nice way to put this. If you if you're going to be a person who stands on truth and who refuses to go along with the lie just because, well, you know, it'll make things a little easier, it'll grease the wheels, or at least spare me the pain or the blows that come from from saying self-evident truths like guys are guys, girls are girls, and there's nothing in between. If you can't handle, you know, being criticized, yeah, you probably better not. But if you're somebody for whom the truth matters, and I assume you are. I can't imagine a person listening to this program, particularly listening to this much of this program and getting through a complete episode, unless they were fairly committed to truth, including painful truths or truths that are not necessarily popularly accepted. So I'm thinking you're that guy. You're that girl. I'm not trying to misgender you here. I'm just saying there's a reason why truth matters. You get it. And I'm encouraging you be strong and continue to be a source of light. Be the one who's willing to shine that light into the darkness by word and by deed. Hold your ground. This is The Brian Hyde Show.